Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the TedCast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, beautiful people. Today we have a very, very special episode. Uh, Before I go into that, I am your host, Coach Castleton. With me, as always, is Coach Bishop. This is Coach Bishop and our present host, Coach Castleton. Thank you. Thanks for that. That's a nice recap. Coach Bishop. Yeah, no, it's good. We've done enough today. (laughs) Took you back Uh, to the pilot on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, trying to keep us in line is our boss, Emily Chambers. Trying to, but um, I need to mention that right before we started recording, Coach Castleton mentioned that he listens to podcasts at 1.5 speed. And I need everyone to know if you do that, you're maybe a psychopath. I, ju- I, yeah. I, I don't want to say anything bad about the general audience, but I need to mention <laughs> to the two coaches here, um, I was texting last week with terrible producer Seth, and he mentioned <laughs> that he listens to podcasts at one and a half speed at least. So that's your company, Castleton. How do you feel about yep. that? How's, yeah, how's, that how's that hidden? There Not good, go. Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't like uh, producer Seth, and I think um, in the majority there, I don't think anybody likes producer Seth. He knows. I will sometimes. I will some. No, no. He 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 lives for the. No, I I said yeah, he knows, and then I did yeah, the yeah. Han the Han head. Yes, now. yes. Thank you. There you go. He, knows. he knows. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. I'm behind the times today, boss. Um, uh, I will sometimes listen at uh, at two point just. It sounds like I, I quit. I'm so but if, no, it's only because. I'm but here's so the thing. Concerned. Here's when I do that. I will do that when I don't necessarily like the podcast, but I want the information. Does that make sense? Uh, Which is, I'm guessing, what most people do for our podcast. They just want the information. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. the information. Yeah. Deeply yeah, informative. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, I would turn this off, but I need to know what Coach Bishop said at halftime of some seventh graders. So. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. What was listen, the first the, song that Boss made out to? Trick question. You don't make out to songs. These, it's weird. This is, this is experiential, people. Um, well, today we have a we have a very special guest. Um, I uh, I have been known to I've been accused of wanting everyone who listens, everyone in the world, to join hands and either. And uh, understand that they have ADHD or be kind to someone who has ADHD. And Coach Bishop has been accused of um, wanting everybody to be a coach. Well, today, uh, at, at the very intersection of those hopes and dreams, we mm-hmm. have with us for the very first time on this, the planet Earth, the king of the buttercups. Everybody, welcome Jeff, please. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I do have to now say I have to hear Boss's laugh in two two times speed. Uh, so I'm going to be listening to this in two times speed <laughs> just to hear oh, Boss's no, no. laugh in two times speed. Yes. Oh, no, no, oh, no. It is. That you think it's bad now. It would be amazing. Oh, you guys are all so mean to yourselves. Why would you do that? I was going to say the reason that Castleton say that I've uh, ever been accused of anything is because of all of the outstanding trials still happening in various states. So we can't talk about that on the record quite yet. No, 
Legally, we're not allowed to. If you if you play bosses uh, laugh backwards, Jeff, uh, it, tell, it tells you to uh, hurt people. Uh, you know, like, no, that's that's, that's, that's my forward voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's just Basically, what I say out loud. I, I'm wearing a shirt that says "You punch a Nazi." Yes, you punch a Nazi. <laughs> that's just I'm your really voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's good. It's just Wednesday. Um, so, Jeff, thank you for joining us. Um, we owe you a huge debt of gratitude because. When you start a podcast, uh, you don't know if anyone will ever listen. We assumed, um, well, no, no, we all three of us had different assumptions. Um, I was optimistic, uh, boss and coach like whispered, you know, behind my back that I was insane. Um, and, uh, no, this will never catch on. And then when we opened the, um, uh, the, the podcast up to subscribers, we luckily had uh, two people that were that were way ahead of the pack. There were it, it worked out that it ended up being two two people like right out of the gate. As soon as the sucker opened up, we had two subscribers. Uh, the first was was our Queen of the Buttercups, Jenna. You were second by about <laughs> three minutes, and then the third, which is about two hours later, was Anya, who uh, Buttercup Anya. Uh, she's just uh, awesome because she was in Poland at the time. And going through a bunch of, uh, oh, she was just really isolated in Poland. She's Australian. And now she's back in Australia and she's over in the Buttercup chat and everybody's happy to see her again. So it's wonderful. But you three were really sort of ahead of the head of the head of the crew. And I want to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for that. Um, I'm going to get emotional, but thank you for that. Um, vote of confidence because yeah, it was quite, uh, it, it was, it everything. was a response to the way you made us as buttercups feel i actually paused the show when you started to talk about the opportunity to join this great crew i paused the show so i could uh, subscribe as quickly as possible um and that is a testament to oh, what you wow. guys have done and uh the the fact that um, you made us feel like a community even before we were one. Oh my god wow Holy okay, shit. I can go wow. now. See, here, I was going to... Yeah, yeah, no. I was going to say, it's pretty good, man. I was expecting... I might, I might not make it. Because it's me. I was expecting the um uh the low punch of, that's a testament to my ADHD. <laughs> but if I didn't do also it right true. Back, Also true. If I didn't stop immediately. <laughs> yeah. no, that, that is also <laughs> factual, look at, yes. Look at boss. Boss is like learning. Boss is like, oh, yeah, I know how this yeah, works. I, yeah, know, I, know, I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, thank you. usually That's incredibly nice. Yeah, no, usually I usually what? you share this. You share the you share the uh, dais with with two people mm-hmm. that ADHD, and now you have three. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to point out that I was uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was forty four years old, and Coach was diagnosed when you were forty eight. Thirty four. And Jeff, yeah. I think I 34. remember. Yes. There you 34. go. <laughs> Look who's winning this. So when you were first diagnosed, um, I know I had the sense of, of, and I was, and I was there for coach to be diagnosed. That was really good. So he, he had, he had the, well, I had the benefit of just chuckling as he did the thing where like light bulbs go on. And did you have, did you experience that where you're like, Oh, like, that's why 
you know, these things happen. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely explained a bunch of things that, uh, that you know, the light bulb moment was absolutely there, uh, for sure. Why I do certain things, why I don't do certain things, why I have a difficulty, um, completing certain tasks. My wife says I've never closed in a drawer or a shelf in my life. And, and, uh, I, I, uh, I blame the ADHD on that for sure. Yeah, that's tough. It's funny. I have a, I have a real, uh, lovely cocktail of ADHD and OCD. So like I, if I ever left a cat, like if, if right now, if I thought, wait, did I leave the cupboard up open upstairs? Like, you know, or something, I'd be, it would bug me the rest of this. I could, I could cope, but I would be thinking like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta close that. Or if I close a drawer and like, let's say I'm putting the, getting the kids ready for school, I'll close a drawer and like a little bit of a sock is sticking out. Oof. I'm like, Oof, I can't, I got to tuck that back in. Got to go all the way. But I guess I'm alone in this. Nobody that's coach tough. you. That, you no, no, that was not my. That's not my uh, no, my particular yeah. struggle, as they say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I never, if I couldn't move on from that level of disorder, like a little bit of a sock sticking out, um, I would actually truly never accomplish anything because that's most of my life is a little bit of sock sticking out. Like, just, <laughs> I, like, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Isn't that true? That's true. Um, but Jeff, you're saying in general. Now uh, you're with your wife when you were diagnosed. You're already I was, married. No, I was with my first. I was with my first wife when I was diagnosed. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so first wife you're diagnosed, and then um, uh, you sort of had these aha moments. Um, walk me through. Now I know there's a little bit of a timeline. It's funny because Coach and I had the same experience with regard to school, where um, a lot of it was brute force with us. So in my case. And coach, I'll let you speak to this too, but I know that like, uh, there was the specter of, of punishment if, if I let my studies wane at all or anything like that. I know coach had a, had, had some parents that were de- pretty demanding and, and expected a lot from him. Um, t- walk us through how your, uh, schooling experience was. Well, I had, uh, um, not only did I have undiagnosed ADHD, but I had a diagnosed learning disability. Um, and uh, ev- every single day um, at school was a was a struggle. Um, I I always like to say that I'm I've been tested. I am intelligent, <laughs> but I I learn at a different rate and I learn a different way than other people do. Uh, so schooling was always an absolute struggle and and a grind. And so my parents kind of were just happy that I went, um, and, and, um, and just happy that I passed when I passed, uh, just because they knew that it was a big struggle for me. Um, and, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, when I got to the age of 16 and, um, I had the choice to struggle or not struggle, um, I, I took the not struggle route. Um, little did I know that um, it led to many struggles uh, in my adulthood. But at the time, it was it was the easy route. Um, but yeah, str- um, high school was a, was a, was a real struggle for me, especially. And and uh, um, if I had um, a, a dollar for any every time I was I was called a name by teachers and 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 uh, and things like that 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 were were. Um, Rightfully so, frustrated with with you know I, I wasn't the easiest uh, student to deal with um, because of my struggles, um, and so that was frustrating for them. So I was I was called the R word on a couple different occasions Ouch. from teachers. Holy um, yeah, shit! Yeah, it was. It, it, 
Yeah, so when I became 16 and I didn't have to put up with that struggle anymore, I chose to not. Yeah, totally get that. Um, and so yeah. totally was a, that. Uh, that checks out. Yeah, seriously. It, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> I didn't have that specific experience. Um, yeah, going to go ahead and discourage uh, educators from doing that. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, just maybe. I, I only <laughs> taught for a maybe. couple of years, yeah, but... Just, uh, Refrain yeah, from maybe. some of those epithets. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. But uh, but but uh, but I'll but I'll say, having taught, I, I I know the frustration of feeling like what's happening here. And I'll say from the other side of it, one of the things I learned post diagnosis as I was reading and, and and learning about ADHD and you know that's just my personality, uh, as you can tell from the way I've treated Ted Lasso. Um, if I'm going to get into it, I'm going to get into it. And the number of people who shared the experience of obviously you can do it. You pay attention when it's X, Y, or Z. So it really must be that you're not applying yourself, that you're not trying. And and in some ways I came to doubt that about myself because I was like, but that's true actually. Like I'm at just before we got on, we were sort of just as people do talking about the weather and it came up that it's 38 degrees in Chicago and that we then figured out that in the rest of the world, where everyone isn't being stubborn and clinging to their own ways of measuring, that that would be <laughs> 3.3 degrees. And I pretty close, between three and four degrees, I could have told you that answer. I didn't do it because it weirds people out. But I have in my brain stuck from high school that F equals 9 fifths C plus 32, right? Like, so I have that and I can do that on the fly and have done it before. But so I knew, but then I'd be, it'd be time to study for whatever, you know, science test or whatever. And my brain would be like, I don't care. I don't care what it is in Fahrenheit. I don't care what it is in Celsius. Let's go watch a football game. And um, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a particularly frustrating place to be. Because you're as frustrated as the person who's being frustrated with you. And even as I hear you right now being empathetic to the teachers who's, you know, were expressing their frustration appropriately or not, there's part of me that goes, yeah, the frustration is reasonable, but shouldn't we get to where if someone's showing that they can do it and that we're seeing them not do it in these specific ways that we ask something beyond why won't you try harder? And I guess I, I guess I find myself sorry on my in my own life, but in specific ways that you just described, that nobody said like, "Hmm, that's interesting." You know what I mean? Like Jeff seems to be trying on X, Y, and Z fronts, so maybe it's not just a matter of try harder on A, B, and C, as opposed to sort of that dismissive piece. Anyway, you didn't ask me for that, but it just stands out to me as like a to almost agree with the frustration. I think probably leads to some feeling like, well, you got a point there as opposed to like, no, 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 no. That's not what's going on here. Yeah. Jeff, not sure if you listened to the show before, but one of the things we do is sort of uh, jump on each other's what, what somebody else was saying, just a thing that happens. <laughs> um, I, so I have been lucky enough that I've never been diagnosed with any sort of learning disability or anything like that. Um, they actually did want to have me tested around first grade because I kept putting my shoes on the wrong feet. And I kept putting my D's and my B's backwards and those types of things. Um, and, and my mom, for a number of reasons, didn't feel like that was a good idea. So we didn't do whatever. 
let's hope I'm not dyslexic. There's still a small slit possibility. But um, what I've always found so interesting, though, is the way that we have set up. And when I say interesting, I mean shitty. Uh, the way that we've set up the education system that this is what you do until you're an adult. And then sometimes you do it a little bit more. And then you go and get your job. And we are responsible for teaching you all of the things that you need to know to be successful later in life. And we're not really responsible for making sure that you don't have a diagnosable learning disorder. Because the three of you guys made it through all of the schooling you were supposed to be doing. And at no point was anybody like, hey, hey, guys, do we want to check? Like, it's it's this weird sort of, I, I do not like these sort of... Uh, I don't want to say prison-esque aspects of school, but sometimes it's very much like you sit down and you do what we tell you to do. And if you don't do it well, it's because you're bad. And then later on, you're like, fuck you, I wasn't bad. Like, you guys didn't pick up that I wasn't getting it correctly. That was was your fault. That's on you, right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a a real thing. And, and, And I do find myself wondering how many intelligent people who ran into some version of this, you know, ended up making all sorts of choices that may have been different if someone had gone, hmm, that's interesting. Do you find that, right? Like as soon as, as soon as it took an hour for a psychiatrist to meet with me and be like, holy shit, you, you, you don't have ADHD. You are ADHD. (laughs) If If ADHD could turn oxygen into carbon dioxide, it'd be you. And so, and, and and it you know made a ton of sense. So anyway, I think it's uh in an interesting way. It's a way that uh, maybe we could be more uh, curious versus judgmental uh, when someone's saying, "Hmm, the math homework is really giving me a hard time." Yeah, no, every, well said, everyone. And and here's the thing, uh, Jeff. Um, you'll you'll understand this um, as much as anyone out there who, who's been through. You know, you go through the whole. Uh, circuit. And if no one is sort of helping you with it, what happens is there's a cycle of shame and blame that kids go through. And why do you do shame and blame? Shame and blame in any situation is because there's a lack of accountability. But how can you be accountable for something you don't understand? So you feel like you have to start coming up with excuses. And if you have no excuses, you start to get angry and check out and go, you know what? Like, fuck this. Like, you don't understand me. Maybe I also don't understand, but I'll, but I'm 12 or, you know, I'm nine. Like, right, I, you know, right. what I mean? it, it, this is horrible. And then it, it, it compounds and compounds and then it affects your self-esteem and your self-image. And you go, oh, my God, like, am I stupid? Am I an idiot? Like, why is it so easy for my friends to get their homework done? And for me, it feels like 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 I'm pulling teeth to get this stuff done. And so Jeff, it's no wonder that at 16, although we have not, we've buried the lead a little bit here because instead of uh, uh, falling victim to, to the one size fits all American educational system, you were uh, born and raised in the uh, third nicest country on the planet. Uh, and, and tell everyone where you're from, Jeff. I am from Canada. Woo! Big fan. Love love Canada. Don't want to knock um, Wisconsin's big backyard, as I sometimes derogatorily refer to it, because (laughs) I also refer to Wisconsin as Chicago's big backyard. So I'm just a double asshole. Um, I do need to, before we move on, what are the two nicest countries in the world? 
We've gone over this before. I bet you anything that I bet Jeff knows. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, Sweden. Well, no, oh, I was, Sweden I was genuinely asking asking Castleton actually because I don't remember. Yeah, no, this. no, no, no. I was. No, I think he's giving you. He's giving Jeff you the, the Castleton. KOB, so I'm curious if yeah, we, Ca- okay, Castleton sure. has said it on the podcast. It's Sweden and uh, I can't remember the other one. So oh, I love. I've said I've been to Sweden and I've play, played soccer in Sweden. But it is definitely not one of the nicest. It's, in fact, I would argue it's one of the colder uh, countries with people because it's really it's funny because standoffish. I, yeah, well, I, I remember reading something about the origin of Aspergers and and some of the stuff about around autism. They're like, oh, there's a lot of connections to Scandinavia, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like this, it's just sort of a fascinating thing. But I could see it in my interactions with people. Like I remember reading this article where they were saying. If you go to have coffee with someone in Sweden, you, like Americans always feel the need to fill the silence, whereas like a lot of Swedes will just and and, and listen. Our, our Swedish uh, buttercups and and listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, they're cool with like it. Do, you don't always have to fill the void with bla- blather, you know, <laughs> banter. Um, uh, the, the number one uh, on and the unofficial or the official uh, uh, Coach Castleton list is Vanuatu, which is. Uh, my sister was stationed there in the Peace Corps, and I remember I got off the the plane uh, on Port Vila, the, uh, the beautiful uh, little tiny little capital city, and we ha- there, there was one road around the main island, and I remember we got into the back of this little tiny pickup truck, which is just like a everyone just gives people whoever's got a car gives a ride to whoever. So my sister, you know, sort of flagged down this this little pickup. We j- jumped in the back. And we started driving up up the, the coast, and people are just walking by on both sides. And my sister hits me. <laughs> like, we're like, we've been driving for like 30 feet. And she watched, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, what, what, what? She's like, wave. I'm like, I don't know those fucking people. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's great. Everybody here waves. Doesn't matter where you are. You know, like I went to, uh, I trekked through the jungle. Uh, to this village, um, and no one had, no white man, this is so crazy, but no white man had been there since World War II, and it was a huge deal for them. And they threw me a big, they were just like honored to have me there, and just like that I would make the effort. Of course, I was like, it was the other way for me. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know, but it's like literally the, like, 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 it's, it's, they are the nice, there's nothing, I've never been around the world twice. Never seen anything like uh, the Nevon, um, so they're always going to be my favorite. Um, and uh, and I've 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 blooded my knuckles against enough dumb Canucks over the years that uh, <laughs> in playing hockey. Now Jeff is a big <clears throat> hockey aficionado. And well, and I'd like to say that you you have said several times on the podcast that Canada is full of the nicest and dumbest people in the world. I hope I, I hit one of those stereotypes right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, can Oh my God, so, so some of the best people in the world. Um, a million times better than, uh, than than all of our fellow Americans. Yeah, no, no. I will say it's Nivon, the, the Vanuatu people, and then Samoa, and then. Um, and then Canada. I just, I mean, God, Canadians. Oh, this is such a such a great country. Um, now you are located, and you hail from from the from the uh, the London region, which is in Ontario, and you are bordered uh, to to the east. Uh, sort of Buffalo is the is the American city to your east, and and Detroit to your west. Is that correct? Yep. 
Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. London has about five hundred thousand people in it. Where, uh, but uh, I, I have a shirt that says. Uh, because everybody asks where you're from. I traveled down in the States quite a bit, and they say, where are you from? And you, and, and you say London, they're like, I don't really know what that is. So it's just become commonplace to say halfway between Toronto and Detroit, because most people know where Toronto and Detroit are, and that's that's exactly where London is. I, of course, because this is an audio medium, uh, everyone could see me nodding in approval when you said about 500,000, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a city. That counts. That's a real city. <laughs> That's not people do try to sneak in on the city situation. I'm like, ah. yeah, no, yeah, come but on. no, that's legit. Five hundred thousand is legit. The city of Aurora, Illinois, is not cutting it, regardless of who <laughs> was raised there. It's me. I was raised there. Yes, we were. Yes, Wayne and Garth too, right? Yes. Yes. Accurate. Yes. Excellent call. Although, again, I will remind everyone because it's an important piece of trivia. There is possibly one shot of the movie that was actually filmed in Aurora. And I believe that it is a past driving past a white castle on Lake street is the only thing that we're like, that could be us. There's no way of knowing that that isn't us. That's ours. Claim. I love it. Yeah. Now I've mentioned on the podcast that, um, when the, um, NHL playoffs come around. Um, I will be- sing Oh Canada at the top of my lungs in my living room, much to the chagrin of my family. Um, but it's a it's a fantastic anthem, and I love hockey. And it feels more hockey than uh, the American anthem. Uh, there's also um, it's impossible to sing the American <laughs> the United States anthem unless you're like a a professional. I ca- I can't do it. I can't do it for the life of me. So. Um, a lot of connectivity with uh, I'm a huge fan. When I was a kid, we used to go up and um, play against Canadian teams. So you'd like win your league, your local league kind of thing. And then you'd go up and play these like round robin tournaments where you'd get absolutely pantsed by kids that are like three years younger than you. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, the, the quality of, of, of hockey is unbelievable. Um, but that's why the uh, so many championships and that's why it's a national sport. Well, it's actually funny. I've actually experienced the opposite of that. Um, going over to Michigan when I coached a competitive hockey team. Um, and we found that because they have to, there, I think it's like $500 an hour for people in Michigan to play hockey. Um, that's what it costs to rent the ice in Michigan. So anybody that was that committed financially was going to be good hockey players or they're going to be, they weren't going to be around anymore. So we used to get our butts kicked every time we went over to Michigan. Is that, Is that right? right? Wow. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's fascinating, actually. Yeah. Huh. That, that seems yeah. unnatural to me somehow. I mean, listen, there's some great hockey programs up there, and, and the NCAA has some some amazing teams that are up in, in that neck of the woods. But, um, wow, that, that is – the ice. I mean, the fact that it's an ice That's, time thing, it's a socioeconomic thing, is a little, like – I don't want to say gross, but it kind of sucks. And it sure does. You know what I mean? You're just like – it's just water, just cold water, baby. Like it should be. But that's how you can tell that you guys have created a safe space for, for a Canadian hockey coach to admit that you Americans were beating us. Seriously. That's, that's a diff- that might be the most difficult thing I admit today. I know. There you go. There you go. Never there thought you I'd go. live to see the day. My God, it's crazy. So you started coaching uh, when? Uh, so I didn't actually, I'm one of the few Canadians that didn't play hockey when they were a kid, uh, again, socioeconomically, uh, my parents couldn't really afford to put me in hockey. Um, but I, I loved it and, and watched it and, and 
consumed it, did everything but actually play on ice until I was uh, in college. I, I, I went to college for a brief period um, and uh, used my we call it OSAP here in Canada, which is government funding loan. I use that to buy myself hockey equipment um, and taught myself how to, how to be a hockey player. Um, no and uh, actually, wow. actually, I actually bought myself goalie equipment and learned how to be a goalie after, you know, wow. I always say it's a special kind of stupid to start to learn how to be a goalie after people develop slap shots. Um, but I uh, <laughs> did that and got really, <laughs> really seriously into um, the, the, uh, the, the dynamics of being a goaltender um, and, and then learning how to teach that. Um, so I've, I've been a goalie coach for the last 15 years. Um, it, you, you, you've, it, you'd have to listen to about a third of an episode, never mind as much as you have listened to, to know about me and coaching. Um, so I'm curious when you say the dynamics of being a goalie, if it's my day one, what, what, what's a, a thing or two you would tell me about being a goalie that would help me understand what it's going to take? Well, it's, and I'm, Coach Bissup, I'm still waiting for your total coaching podcast. By the way, I'm still waiting for that podcast because I want. There I, we go. I want to consume. I want to consume what what you have to give for sure. Um, and that sounded dirty. Um, <laughs> um, you really, you really do. You really are an avid listener. Yes. <laughs> um, what I would say to you as your as a brand new goaltender is like you hear all these parents stand up stand up or go down go down you know and, and it's it's not quite as simple as that it's about angles it's about um keeping your body square to the puck i always say i'm a very fat guy i want the fattest part of my body to be facing the puck um and so it's not as simple as stand up or go down it's 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 when to stand up and not if but when to go down that's uh that's what got that foster college um, oh my I, I, god! I was, I was trying. I was trying so hard. In front I am of so company, In front of company, I was trying so hard to not not make that joke. I'm so oh proud of you. I'm Thank so you for coming through. I felt like I should like that. Unbelievable, Jeff. You're bringing out all the bad side of us here. It's um, the Canadian. It's we just get riled up and there rude. You go. That's it. It's true. It's true. Um, so, so you uh, you don't, you come at it with a yeah, listen. I've played enough to wonder about every goalie that I've ever played about their mental uh, stability and their life choices. Um, I, I strapped on the I strapped the pads on one time in a pickup game, and and the first shot was a slap shot, like you know, like right from the top of the key, hit me in the face mask, and I was like. How do you do this? And I love when I play, I'm a center and um, I love being the guy. Uh, I'll stand in the crease. I'll, I'll, I'll shield, I'll block the goalie. You know, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to uh, stand right in front of a slap shot for my own defenseman and, ta- and, you know, redirect the, play. I have no problem doing that, but, be, but playing goalie is a whole different animal. It is, it is like really sort of fascinating. The type of person that gravitates to, like in any sport, I saw this with with soccer growing up too. It was like, are you prepared? It's almost like, is your child prepared to take a disproportionate amount of blame 
right? For mm-hmm. it, you know, you can have like a three on O. Mm-hmm. Like the other team mm-hmm. comes down on a breakaway, your defensemen mm-hmm. are lying on the ground somewhere, and they score on the goalie, and the people blame the goalie. And you're like, wait, what? That's how is he supposed <laughs> like that's it's insane. So do you notice a certain personality type that gravitates to the position? Um, that gravitates to uh, becomes a, a more elite goalie for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, um, the level that I coach at mostly, which is which is kind of beginning of the competitive area, um, and U thirteen is kind of the age that that I that I like to stick to or close to that age group. Um, I always say because they're still they're still sponges and they want to hear everything you have to say, but they're not pricks yet. Um, and and so. Got it. <laughs> Um, so, so, but at that age, they're, 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 they're kind of more normal people, um, that just like to be, um, the last line of defense. And I think as you get older and as you become more elite in the, in the sport, I think that's actually when it becomes weird and it's your ability to handle that pressure of being the last line of defense. Um, and because there is nothing like making that awesome save and having everybody congratulate you. And if you have the ability to, um, have a very short memory, um, those saves, like I, I can remember all the saves I've made that were just like game stoppers. Um, and, and fortunately I, I don't remember all the really bad goals. Actually, that's not true. I remember a few of the really bad goals, <laughs> but, uh, disproportionately. Right, right, right. Well, that's what they say. It's about it's always the next play. It's never the last play. I mean, coach, uh, coach Bishop, when you, um, are coaching kids, how to shake off a bad, a bad thing. What is, what's your, um, sort of philosophy around that there's only one play this play That's right so that totally, so, and totally it's to that. the point where i can say it to kids where i'm not even coaching them in that particular game but i've had them enough over the years that i'll watch a kid miss a shot on a basketball game or whatever and call their name and be like hey there's only one play and i they, they nod their heads <laughs> like they know they're like, okay got it yep yep here we go so yeah no, that's a real that's a real thing and to be able to do that is a real thing i was not really that athlete i carried stuff on with me for a long time and you know to sometimes often to my detriment but i i try to teach it and the kids who really can put it down you drop that pass moving on i'm sure you know not being the hockey uh aficionado myself but having learned some through coach you know all right that that goal got through let's not have another one get through because you're still thinking about the last one uh, has got to be a huge lesson for life. Never mind hockey. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I always talk about being being present, um, and it can be just as detrimental to think of the future as it is detrimental to think of the mm. past. Like it, you, you only have right now, and you can only do right. You can't fix um, bad mistakes you made in the past or or la- laziness that you had in the past. You can only do what you can do right now. Um, and even worrying about the future is detrimental as well. You got to think about right now. That, that's a great philosophy. I mean, live in the present. Uh, that's a, it's a gift. That's why they call it the present. Um, but, uh, but um, it is it's for, for goalies. Here's the thing. If you, if you spin out, I'm trying to think of um Sports that that it would to put it in terms that Coach Bishop would would I mean he's going to get it either way but was spe- spe- specifically with the goalkeeper in hockey, um, goaltender you uh, you let a few in and you get yanked 
like if, if, if it feels like your head is out and you can't stay present, you get pulled. And that's a, that sucks. <laughs> like there aren't that many, you know, situations where like, all right, you get out, like get, you're done for the, and sometimes like with a good coach, it's a mercy. It's like, listen, I'm not going to let you get, I, I know your head's not in the game today. You're getting shellacked out there. It's not you. Nobody's playing defense. You know, let, let's just, let's just uh, keep you, keep you uh, stable and, and not let this hurt any more than it has to. Um, have you had experience with that at all, Jeff? Well, actually, having not played until I was an adult, I never had a backup goalie. So I got to tell you, there's been times I was begging to be pulled, but there was nobody, <laughs> there, was nobody there to, to, to replace me. So, so uh, yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. And then when the kids um, – I'm assuming – do you work with um, – when you're the goalie coach – you work with a head coach and like you work with a team of other coaches or are you also the head coach of, of your so this teams? this particular season I'm I am the head coach and I'm and I'm kind of uh, I set the team up for their practice plan uh, and get them ready to go and then I kind of take the goalie off to the side and we work on movements and things like that but yeah this this particular year I am the head coach but I've been just the goalie coach as well it's exciting exciting and when you started um before you said you never played uh, hockey growing up did you have a like for me it's patrick roy um who is like the ultimate just because he stuffed my bruins so many times in so many ways but there's certain goalies where you just look and you're like they're a god for me they're they are a god um and i i uh, um there's so many over the years that i that i thought were amazing but did you have a favorite goalie uh growing up or well, I had a few. My very first favorite goalie was Alan Bester, uh, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and uh, uh, but uh, Curtis nice. Joseph, Felix Potvin, sure. um, oh my and God. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Reese, who actually played. Uh, we have a, a a junior league called the OHL here in London, and Jeff Reese was the goalie when I was around ten years old uh, that played for the junior team, and he's gone on to be. I think he's the uh, goalie coach for Tampa Bay now, but uh, uh, he, I, I idolized him and would go to London Knights games and just sit and watch him and not watch anything else. But the the puck could be down at the other end of the ice, and I was just watching to see what he did during that time frame. No kidding. I gave uh, I gave Coach a, a, a book a couple of years ago. You remember this coach, the football? Do you remember what it was called? Keep your, keep your eyes off the ball. I think was the yeah. Name yeah. Of take it, take or, your yeah. eye off the take ball. Take your it was eye a way off of the ball. Yeah. Look, looking great. at football because everybody just you hike the ball and everybody looks at the everybody looks at the the ball and follows it. But it's like watch everything else. <laughs> like look at how the offensive linemen are are blocking. I love that you are just somewhere in the stands in London and just watching how these guys move because it's. It, it is an education to see. Listen, this is also we're talking about sports here, but uh, I've 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 been in theater and and film my whole life, and there's this thing that says your partner is your performance. I watch my actors like a hawk to say like, what are you doing when the spotlight's not on you? You are still in this scene, you know. Especially if it's a theater, it's a whole different uh, ball of wax. So um, I love that you had these moments where you were sort of. Uh, did you know you were studying at the time? No, not at all. Absolutely not. No, that's so I was funny. just fascinated. Just fascinated. God, that's amazing. Um, and so, how ballpark? How how old were you when you started coaching? Uh, when I started coaching, I would have been um, twenty four, twenty five ish. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. That's good. That's 
God, I was so selfish at 24. I'm still selfish, boss. But uh, uh, I, 24, I, don't I was not ready to give uh, any time to anyone else. I think that's amazing. I'm not sure if you were trying to tell me that had we met when you were 24, I should expect that you would have been selfish. That doesn't do me any good now. I'm not sure why you'd bring that up. <laughs> or if you're just like, hey, do you want to talk about how you were selfish at 24? Because obviously. Like, I'm still, no, obviously. I'm still selfish. <laughs> 45. Yeah. It's been 20 years. I haven't learned shit. <laughs> I, no, I and, and, and you, say that, you, you say that about being selfish and not being selfish. I, um, I think as a coach, I get just as much out of it as the players do. Like, I, like I felt like um, that it wasn't an un, it wasn't an unselfish thing for me to coach, and I wasn't giving others my time. They were giving me their time as well, because uh, it, it, it's something I absolutely love doing. Um, and to see the progression of a player from the beginning of the year to the end um, is is really all the reward you need. Yeah. Look, no, it's not, Jeff. No, it you is. also want to get a lot of money. <laughs> well, yeah, and fame. <laughs> And 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 right and gifts. Look at Je- I'm, I'm just, making fun just of this coach. Just from coach my Bishop is coaching. beaming. That's right. Yeah, that's he's right. beaming up there as you say that, Jeff. He's like, yes, that's, I get it. That's, that's it. wonderful. No, that's it I, right there. I actually love this idea. I feel like this should be something that people focus on a lot more. That there's has been a push recently to be selfless, and I'm not saying that that's bad, especially after you know, like. I don't know, the fucking uh, greed is good 80s and people who didn't figure out that that was supposed to be satire and everything that goes along with that. But the idea of being selfless, I don't like, I like more, but not enough. I think that the real answer is find something that selfishly makes you feel good that also helps other people. It like, it's fine. Right. I, I, I tell my nieces to their face all the time. Yeah, I'm getting this for you, but it's because I want you to like me. Like you like me back. <laughs> I like you so much. I love it. Please I like love me that. back. So funny. Just a little bit. That's so great. That's and so sometimes great. they do. So, so oh, like it works funny. out for both of us. No. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Jeff, um, when you listen to coach Bishop talk about his kids, does it resonate with you? Do you like hear the same sort of things? Uh, in your experience it does um and and uh i i feel like i take different things from each of you as far as uh, or or I'll, I'll hear somebody say something and that i'll be like that's castleton or i'll hear some that's boss or that's that's coach bishop um i i i feel like probably coach bishop is a little tougher than i am a little harder on his players um <laughs> which which i would like to be i'm just i'm just not I'm, I'm just not that, but I just, he comes across as some, someone that would be super effective, but a little more tough than I am. Yeah, well, no, no, he's a, well, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's like a, he, he's tough. He is tough, tough and scary when he wants to be. And he, his <laughs> physical posture changes, which is crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like he'll just be like, Hey man, whatever. Right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go coach now. And then I watch as he like, transforms into this <laughs> it's, it's terrifying it really is i'm not i'm not exaggerating he's like he's a thing so yes he but so i know you say he's a big cupcake we know that from this podcast but but uh, when he's an authority figure um you know he's an authority figure there and uh i mean listen Jeff, in all fairness, he wasn't. He's not Canadian, so what's he supposed to do? That's that part. But Just, quick, quick, quickly, I'll share. I'll share this one because it, it even made me laugh. 
So one of my, I'm running, you know, I was running the whole program. So I've got my team, but the other teams. So anyway, one of the guys who I've been, you know, I've mentored along and he's coaching one of the teams says to me, like, his kids aren't competing for the ball. So the ball's in the air, they're not competing for the ball. So I'm like, all right, all right. So I, I get him, I go and I like go on YouTube and blah, 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 and I ask around and I get him like a couple drills and I'm like, do these drills with them to get them used to competing for the ball. I said, but during practice tomorrow, I'm going to wait till I see one of your kids not compete. And I'm gonna go off. So he's re- he knows this is coming. So we're waiting. We're you know blah blah blah. They're doing the drill. This kid doesn't compete. And I go over there. Are you kidding me? That ball's in the air. That's my ball. Oh, Wait, he, coach, coach, hold on. I he, coach, coach. He coached so hard that he muted himself. Oh, <laughs> I, I did. I bumped. I bumped I thought, my own. Uh, that's I so thought, funny. Oh all we saw is you wildly gesticulating. Oh, that's so funny. I did. I oh, my God. I was, I was hoping that it was a Buster Blue th- long string of vulgarities from Arrested Development, where it's just. <laughs> All right, so I did lose I'm, you from the. Yeah, yeah lose you right Luke, away. I'm going to have Luke drop that in. Yeah, no, right when you said. And I'm like. And then we're just going to. Oh, that's funny. Be pro- so, I, so, so I run over. <laughs> And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's my football. You're going to stand there and watch somebody come and take my football out there? Don't make me come over here again. Do not make like I, the whole speech, right? And I go trotting off and I trot by some parents and I go, we planned that last night. And they all just started cracking up. <laughs> oh, that's Because they like, Jeez. you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, so I definitely do it. But I've had, I asked each of my kids what, like, if you were going to describe my coaching, you know, and they both started with the phrase tough love, <laughs> which I said, well, that's called feedback. That is called feedback. So, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who knows? It, it, it may be effective sometimes. It also may cause therapy sometimes. So we'll see how it all balances out. Well, I like to, I like to, I, I would like to be a little m- more towards that end in my coaching um, because that also, it, it, it provides a contrast you know, you, you, you can give them that, that comfort and that support when it's really deserved. And I feel like that comfort and support would mean a lot more mm-hmm. if they've had that, mm-hmm. that really scary coach. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, okay, coach, coach is really happy with what I'm doing right now. Right. I can tell <laughs> because of the, the, the right. exact opposite reaction. Right. Yeah. No, that, that, there's, there is definitely something to that. And I think too, it's like that whole, they, they won't care what you know until they know that you care. I, I think too, you get leeway from the kids themselves and from their parents, frankly, to be tough. If it's clear that like every one of them, knows I would walk through a wall of fire for them. So like, if I'm on your case, it's because I need you to be doing better. Not because I just had a bad day. Yeah. I think that that's the difference between uh, being scary and the kids being scared that if you can be scary and they still understand, well, he, this yes. is not a threat to me. This is him right. projecting loudly that I need to get my <laughs> ass in gear. <laughs> right. Then it, right. once you develop that level right. of trust, then yeah, you can mm-hmm. be scary and they still understand. They get it. Yeah. That's a this good is point. why kids are not fooled. Kids know who's a shithead. And this is why I always yes. tell, like I have a lot of people who ask me to talk about divorce and things like that. And I say, listen, I've been through it. Trust me on this one. The kids, like someone will say, you know, I'm so worried. My kids are going to, you know, think I'm a bad person. Like, you know, you're not a bad person. They'll never think that. 
It, well, my, my ex is telling him all these terrible things. That's fine. In the short term, maybe it'll work. But really, maybe it'll, I've seen it. In the short term, kids can get confused when one parent talks poorly about the other parent. Yes, I've seen it. It's happened to me. Uh, but I said, it really, it just comes out in the wash. Eventually, kids know what's going on. They can figure it out. Uh, I mentioned that I had a football coach, my first football coach, uh, American style football, not soccer. And I'm going to make that distinction because coach uh, Bishop was kind enough to, to make that, uh, make that, uh, point last time. Um, we used to, I, I've mentioned this before. I think I mentioned it season one, but he used to have turf shoes. Remember turf shoes? Mm -hmm. that, they were like the sneakers, little, but they had the yeah, little kind of stubby yeah. kind of cleats. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And so he'd walk through the mud, whatever, and, and, and like basically it was useless because the mud would just cake into all the little stubs and that was it. Um, and he would have us laying on our back and to toughen us up. We did Oklahoma drills. You guys know what Oklahoma drills are? Yeah. Um, that yeah, coach okay. you do? Do you want to explain yeah. it? Well, what yeah, is it in Flatbush? I'm sure, I'm sure it's scarier in Flatbush than it was in uh, That's in really fun. Um, but yeah, but they would, like, you lay down, um, like, facing, well, you're both on your back, so your heads are toward each other, if that helps to yes. orient everything. And then whistle, you both jump up. One's the ball carrier, one's the tackler. You have a defined area, and the ball carrier has to try to get past the tackler. So it's about getting to your feet and making the play. Yeah, fast as you can and hard as you can. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough. It because, can get, like, yeah, you have can get to pretty quick. It can get nasty. And yeah. especially as you get older, if it gets to middle school, high school, you know, and you, it's, it's funny because sometimes you'll have kids that are, they're just not that great at it. And it's like, it's not that big, but you get two captains, you get like the defensive captain, the offensive. And, and that sounds like an NFL hit when those guys hit. And it's helmet to helmet. Oh, man, it's crazy. Um, but this coach would have us before the Oklahoma drill. If he didn't like you, if he didn't think you were doing well, he would come up to your face mask and rub his his uh, turf shoe on your face mask. So you it's up, tell me this. it's elevated a couple inches above your face. And so it would, all the refuse and detritus from the bottom of his shoe would go on your face. And then he'd blow the whistle. So to, you know, he thought he was toughening you up. Um, but we knew he was a shithead. <laughs> I was like, I, I remember thinking, I was probably like nine years old. And I was like, really? Like, wow. Like, but, but also weirdly back then I was like, hey, he's an adult. This must be how it's done. I didn't question it in, a, in the same way. Um, but, um, yeah, you, you get, you get a sense like this isn't, um, but even then, oh, this is so crazy how the psychology of, of, of kids are with their coaches. Even then I would try to please him because he was my coach. So I remember one time I, he may use me as an example of someone properly following their lead blocker. And I was like, it was my happiest moment, happiest football memory was this total jerk, <laughs> like, you know, used me as the example of what to do in the situation. Um, so it's interesting. And, and Jeff, when have you had now you had your background? Um, let's say you started coaching at, at 24. You get um, uh, diagnosed with ADHD around 33, 34, 10 years later. Have you, how did you use your experience with being misunderstood and isolated and uh, a sor sort of um, uh, put in a different category than everyone else from time to time? How did you use that to inform your coaching of kids um, that sort of were looking to you for guidance who may have been in the same boat? That's, that's a good question. Um Shit, I haven't. God damn it, coach. 
<laughs> I think I'll go back and do that now. Um, not, I mean, yeah, no, I was actually kind of thinking that. I was like, um, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a darn good question. In my in my experience, you would be more you would be more aware of it having gone through it. That's all I'm saying. Like you you would be more no, I, less I, likely I, uh, to put I, a kid like I that. I recognize. Yeah, I recognize the. Uh, um, I am not the most patient, um, and I've had a few kids that are clearly ADHD, um, and um, I have to work on um, my patience level with them. Um, and and um, God damn it, uh, I guess my, the empathy hasn't come out the way it probably should have. I'm, I'm just trying to think of some of the, some of the, the the frustrating moments I've had with a few of these kids. Um, uh, Wow, jeez. No, no, no. We'll save you Thanks, from coach. it. No, 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 no. I wasn't, wasn't trying to <laughs> throw, throw gas on the fire here. But, but my sense is, even, even without knowing, you're going to be much more receptive to those kids and much more understanding. And just, and also, you know, having having experienced that stuff, um, it ha- it has to put you in, in sort of in a different category of at least. You know, this is funny. It's like um, when Boss talked about. I think it was Rosie O'Donnell who was able to read a drunk person's drunk. Yeah, what I was just going to say is that I think that part of the reason why maybe you can't come up with a, one example of one time when you did that is because if it's worked into all of your coaching enough, you're not going to exactly. notice it. It's yeah, going to be a thing. It's probably just intrinsic. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with that answer. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, Jeff, when you start, when you first, um, uh, Stumbled across Ted Lasso. I think you know the story about how we did it. I I, I know I've mentioned I was up uh, 4 a.m. And I thought it was like a stupid thing. And I was like, I'll just throw it on. And Sorry, no, it was 2 a.m. 2 a.m. is when I threw on the first episode. I was like, before I go to bed, I'll just throw watch 10 minutes of it. And then I, the first four episodes were available. Watched them all the way through. Immediately got on the horn with Coach Bishop and was like, you have to see this. Um, do you remember your first uh, intro to Ted Lasso? I do actually. My one of, one of my Diamond Dog buddies. Um, he's like, you, you gotta, you gotta watch this. You gotta watch this. And I, I kept on putting it off and putting it off. And I'm not a big football fan. Um, soccer. I'm not a big soccer fan. Um, and so I was like, I, I, why? I don't. I don't have any interest in this. Um, and then he finally he made me. He said, "Go home and watch this. You have to watch it tonight." So I finally said, "Okay, I'll, I'll appease him and uh, and I'll do it." And it was, I was I was at first attracted to this American buffoon, and and I felt <laughs> like I was I felt like I was part of an inside joke, and and uh, that's what first attracted to me me to the show and to Ted. Um, but then very quickly I became like. I, I described like I fell in love with this character, um, and and I I kept on saying to like the amount of times I said to my wife Dusty, the amount of times I said to her, I do that when I coach, or or that's how I do it when I coach, or or yeah yeah I can see that I can see that, and I, I can and I put it into to my real life uh, experiences, um, and so very very quickly I I, I fell in love almost literally like with this character with this person and i and i saw myself in in him i i i'm sorry go ahead coach i'm sorry no 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 please no i was gonna jump in 100 percent. and there were so many moments like that for me 
And, you know, I've, I've said more than once that just right from Scott Van Pelt cutting to him dancing in the locker room with his players, I was like, and I'm in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll yeah. say another moment that sort of, when you say like fell in love, that it's very accurate actually to my experience. When he's sitting in the restaurant and says to Trent, basically his core belief about coaching which is that it's not about the wins and the losses, it's about helping these young men became the best, become the best versions of themselves. I remember thinking, oh, I, like, I'm home. Like, this is, yeah, like, I, I didn't even know there was anybody out there talking like this. And, um, yeah. Because, because that, there that wasn't. The because magic. everybody was Bobby Knight. Yeah, right? I that, mean, that, that was, was like the, That yeah. was how you're supposed to coach. You're supposed to be mean. You're supposed to throw things. It's always been, like, right, like the hard out. Like, look at uh, – uh, Tom Landry, you know, like it's always yeah, been yeah. this like real personal. Yeah. Right, right, right. Hard asses. I was like, holy shit. I've been coaching the last away this whole entire yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a thing. Right, right. So, yeah, actually, this is a thing I was thinking last night, because as much as uh, we talk on this show, I spend a lot of time thinking about what we are going to talk about on this show. So one of the things uh, the other day I put on, I think Seth Meyers or something, and then YouTube just playing clips for me. They're like, hey, do you want to watch some Bob's Burgers for five minutes? And I was like, yes, thank you. That would be great. And then it cycled through to a clip from Shameless, where Lip Gallagher, as a TA, graded a paper, and the kid came up to him after class and was like, I didn't deserve a D on this. And he looks over and he's like, oh, yeah, no, you did. And he reads a part, and the kid's like, that doesn't sound like D work to me. And he's like, oh, it doesn't. It sounds like Nobel winning work because you lifted this. This is like straight plagiarism. <laughs> you plagiarized this entire part. And he was like, no, I didn't. And Liv was like, do you want me to Google it right now, right in front of you? Right, right. And then he's like, listen, like, go back, rewrite it in your own words, turn it in tomorrow. I'll knock you down one letter grade and that'll be it. And his professor comes over and he's like, do you think that you have the authority to do that with my students? Like, you're, you're just going to let them slide. You could get them expelled for that. And Lip's like, well, I don't think he's going to do it again. I felt like the kid needed a break. And then the professor says, you should look into teaching. So I feel like what that sort of sparked for me is there are ways in which this is being done. But I think that maybe even at the time, it wasn't the coach in charge of a big team that would be doing this. I felt like there were examples of it. But what came through in this is somebody could do this method and be really good at their job and make other people really good at their jobs. And it isn't, it's in this very masculine, very tough kind of setting. And I think that's what really came through on the show that we are showing you this in a way that can work in, and if it can work in professional soccer, it could work anywhere. You could bring this into Mm -hmm. an executive's office and still do it the same Mm -hmm. way because this method works. Yeah. No, yes. So everything to everything you said, and I love the idea that we've 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 seen versions of it or experienced versions of it in places along the way, but hadn't necessarily named it or framed it the way that um, it was yeah. for the show. No, well, also, yeah, there's, there's no good, boss. Well, the fact that the show wanted to focus on this, not just that it was something that was incorporated in the the marrow of the show, but that this is what it was about. Um, also. I love that part where he said it's about making these guys so good and that Trent was like, you really mean that. And I love so much that he followed it up immediately with, let me ask you something. Is my mouth on fire right now? Like such yes. a well-crafted show that they'd be like, here's yes. this very important part about what the show means and an incredibly funny joke. And I think that was the moment when I was sold. I was like, I'm in. Nice. 
Oh, that really? I think so. there was something about the. I way think the, the moment you were sold migrates like Higgins's gag reflex. Oh, sure. So yeah, I feel no, like no. we've heard several other quote unquote <laughs> moments you? when you were sold. Uh well, so there was the uh, Jesus, Mary, and fuckface Joseph. I yes, love that. Right. that outstanding. Yes. That was but a I big was, one. That was not when I was in. That was more so like, who is this man with his shirt off? Lovely. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there was there was something about the way that I knew from a being a TV show watcher that this scene meant Ted is not going to fuck this up. Ted is not going to be the butt of the joke, and I really mm. liked that about the show. He was going to be confident yes. at that, and that's what that scene yes. showed. Yes. All right, so you have that beat. Coach had the Wichita Shockers beat. For me, the one where I really started taking notice was when, uh, hey, if we bump into each other in our dreams, let's just play around and come we don't know each other. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, as a writer, I was like, what did you just say? And then two <laughs> men agreed on it on television? Like, okay. Right, um, right. Uh, uh, Jeff, did you have any moment in the pilot or when you're watching where you fell in love where you noticed like, holy shit, like this is something else? Yeah, it was funny you say that about this, the scene in the airplane. It, I had almost the opposite reaction because that kind of kind of made me uh, think about the the, the buffoon character. Like, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And then, and then I was like, that kind of set me back a bit. So it's like, okay, so it's just this guy being a buffoon um but uh throughout that that episode um the more and more it went on um i don't i don't know that i have a specific moment that uh that um i i fell in love but it was uh yeah the the the, the airplane scene i wasn't i was like yeah that 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 kind of well, set me back i know bit. that's some of the sensibilities you got up there you gotta really I mean take a I, deep breath, fella. I don't understand why you would choose this episode to do an international hate crime on. Like what are you No what, doubt. What, Listen, what is happening? No, Come on. The point is, Jeff, by the time the pilot ended, you're saying, Okay, you got me, right? Like somewhere oh, I was to- I was Okay. I was totally in, hundred percent in and, 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 and continue to watch. Um because I, I had I had uh, um, some back episodes by that point, so just uh, binged as much as I could. And, and you're wearing a Diamond Dog shirt today for for our listening yes. audience. And you have mentioned that you have gentlemen in your life who you call your Diamond Dogs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the the shirt was kind of given, and and um, everybody in the room. We were at a party, and um, kind of the the Ted of our group. Um, his name is Mike. Um, he gave these shirts to to the to three of us, and everybody in the room except for the three of us thought it was a joke, and it really, really wasn't a joke. And it was it was um, you know, I feel like I could I could confide in these guys um and and we have confided and um we've we've talked through you know my my daughter's transgender um issues and we've talked through um a, a lot of issues and i feel like i can i can be myself 100 percent with these guys um and they have my back and i have their back and everybody in the like i i i started to kind of well up and somebody in the room said are you gonna start crying it's just a t-shirt and I said, it's not just a t-shirt. This is, this is, this is a confirmation of, you know, that I have 
you know, and, and and what the show has kind of showed me that not everybody has this group of male friends that um, that I could that we can be a hundred percent ourselves with, um, and and talk to each other about about issues and 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 go deeper on subjects um, that you know, it doesn't have to be surface level with us. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I do wear this shirt with pride, and uh, and I'm happy to have uh, a group of men that are are, are strong and capable, and um, but also caring and loving and uh, supportive. Man, I feel like wow, like that's the heart of to, like so. You, there was a, a whole ton of nodding going on as as you were describing that, and 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 I do think. If there's, I mean, I think there are a number of them, but if there's a gift that Ted Lasso gave folks, and I think part of what a lot of people reacted to is what you just described. And I think like in a lot of our storytelling and in life and the way we talk about different people and manhood in general, there is this sort of like, either you're someone who cares and therefore you must drink all things with your pinky up and blah, 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 or you're, and I love that there's room for Roy Kent and Trent Krim and right. And Higgins and right, like everybody, like there's room for everybody who's willing to come in here, be their full selves and be supportive of everyone else being their full selves. It's, um, it's just not something it's something I've had the uh, privilege of experiencing in a few places in my life. Just that I can point to some specific moments where it's like a, a group of guys who like we had each other on that level, um, but not a ton and not for extended amounts of time. And it's not something you find, you know, any day, like, you know, I'm on text threads with friends where like, yeah, we have a good time. And if, you know, somebody had like someone in their family sick, of course, people would say, oh, you know, but like that ability to just go, no, 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 no. Like today I'm just like a big raw nerve and I just need to like say things <laughs> that, that deal with that. And that's OK. And tomorrow we'll talk about Patrick Waugh and that'll be it. And that's what we're doing. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. And well, and you can have both. It doesn't have to be. I mean, what uh, what um, uh, what's great about uh, some of the things that, that Jeff just said was that I, I don't know if anything uh, I, I, anything has been the confluence of all of the things we talk about more than what he just said about his friends and how he felt about that moment. And it's not just the t-shirt. We talk about people who don't have boys and those are boys. That's the definition of what we say, because look, at if it, people can't see Jeff, but he's a strong strapping dude. And, and um, um, he looks like he could wrestle a grizzly uh, to a draw. <laughs> And, and and yeah. Can I just say I'm glad that people can't see me because I cannot find an angle where this uh, damn um, uh, camera doesn't make me look awful. So. No, 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 no. You look, you look fantastic. No, 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 God, no. But like you, I'm saying, you, there's you have some tattoos and you have like you know just like you look you look like you have some gravitas and and yet like you were um, enamored of this show this these beats where it was, again, what, what coach and I talked about, it was a different male avatar. It's like people trying to be a different thing than what we historically see. And boss will scoff and say, yes, it's been around there before. It wasn't like Ted Lasso invented it because she saw these moments with lip and these tiny moments, but they were not the highlight of any show. They were never like the overarching premise of the show conceptually. um, uh, Even before, okay. Up until Ted Lasso, right. Whether or not, um, 
we, we sit here and, and we, we, we can sort of castigate uh, the, the coach uh, philosophy of, around, uh, you know, what percentage of it was, was sort of toxic, right? Like the Bobby Knights or whatever, the yellers. Um, but John Wooden was out there and, and, and there's, there were other amazing coaches out there. They just didn't get the press. They didn't get, you weren't supposed, that was a aberration in the coaching ranks. When you were a nice, kind, sweet coach that everybody loved. I remember when Pete Carroll came to, um, uh, Pete Carroll came to coach the New England Patriots. He's the longtime coach of the, of the, um, Seattle Seahawks. And, he was too soft. They they thought, why? He this guy is sweet. He's nice. Co- players love him. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, there's no way he can be effective. And then when when grumbling bridge troll uh, Bill Belichick showed up, everyone's like, yes, this makes sense. Like there we go. Right, uh, he, right. Yeah, he looks like someone who who you know he, he's he he can you know you know sort of sort of grumble out two words uh, per press conference, and it makes sense to me. Like, oh, this is a coach, but. Up until the 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 sort of premiere of Ted Lasso, no one had standardized it. No one said, "No, why, why? Let's rethink this." And then throughout the the run of the show, as you know, um, the 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 whole concept has let's been to you know let's question things, let's turn things on the air, let's analyze why do we do these things. And it sounds like, uh, I mean, look in your in your specific situation, um, you have your diamond dogs personally up there in London and. Um, you're talking about, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned on the show so many times my, my struggles with divorce and with having children who are, who are, um, uh, neurodivergent and, and, and all the challenges of IEPs and 504s and trying to get them through the day and, uh, you know, all kinds of diagnoses. And you're talking about, you know, your, uh, you, your, your, uh, child is, um, uh, gender change that was that the, uh, or, what? Yeah, she's transgender. Yeah, transgender. Yeah, and so um, all of that. Like, if you don't have guys to talk about that with, you know, it's like no one. It sounds like your crew of guys is like, okay, yeah, let's let's we're here for you about not just you know hockey or or things along that. Uh, you know, it sounds like they were there for you uh, throughout the whole thing. Totally, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, like, like I said, it doesn't have to be a surface level thing. It can be, it can be a, a deeper thing, and um, um, a, a, a support. Group I think we'd that, be a lot better off if a lot, a lot guys more have. guys did. And I think a lot of manifestos we've been forced to read and check out um, attest to it, frankly. So I think you're you're, you're spot on. Even if somebody says it's just a, I love it. As soon as you said it's just a T-shirt, I saw Boss react, and I definitely reacted like. Who said that? Like it is that I, I'm just hearing the story for the first time, and I know it wasn't just a T-shirt. Um, so yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of a good we could be doing to 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 share and teach that. Like you don't have to do it the same way our group does it, or the same way that Ted and the guys did. But somewhere along the line, who are your people? You know, um, Boss talks about her five, and and we have fun with that. But like she's got her five, man. You know, and like okay. You know, we, we you gotta at some point have that piece. We're, we're not built, we're not built to function optimally without it. We can make it work, and we can do all sorts of things. But I think we function at our best when we've got some version of that in our lives. But yes, and let's unpack that moment, Coach. Uh, you look at you look at Jeff, and you, we know what we know about him. I know I've struggled with ADHD. I've struggled with losing people in my life because. 
didn't sync up for one. And then I, and I got this, this thing, this stigma where I'm like, people leave me, people don't, you know, like it's not, you know, just worried about abandonment. And, um, Jeff, you, you had a, had a rough run with school and, you know, misunderstood. And then you get to this moment where Mike walks over with a diamond dogs t-shirt and it's got to feel, and you're visibly emotional. So you're vulnerable in that moment on top of everything, right? It's everything about it's beautiful to me. It's like complete acceptance of being part of this group. Like we're all in this together. It's just a beautiful moment. And, and I'm so happy you shared that with us. Um, now you, there's a couple of tremendous things that, um, that I want to talk about. Uh, only because you and I have, have, have sort of, uh, you know, talked offline. Um, you, when you checked out of school at age 16, um, you went and I'm guessing got employed somewhere and started working. And is that, is that, uh, did you, is that what you did? Yeah, absolutely. I, I basically, um, have my, my kids say that I've worked everywhere, uh, cause I basically took what I could get. Right. Uh, um, it, it, Gone are the days where you could drop out at 16 and, and have, have a great career, um, for the rest of your life. So, so I kind of took whatever I could get, um, and, and have been lucky to be, to be mainly, um, employed my entire adult life, but never doing something that I ever really wanted to or would have chosen for myself. Um, but very quickly became, um, Got, you know, got married young, had kids young, um, and now it's now it's you need to do whatever it is you need to do for your family and for your kids, um, and so it, it, the 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 dream goal job or the dream goal goal career um, kind of goes out the window, and you just you just try and make ends meet, um, and so I, I, I've I've I worked everywhere. <laughs> do you remember your Do you remember your first like? like your first job or your first, like first gig where you're like, okay, I got to just grab something to get started. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I was, uh, I worked at uh rider truck rental at the gas, at the gas pump at rider truck rental and, and just hated every minute of it overnights too. It was, it was, uh, not fun, but, uh, yeah, it was, that was my first gotta, gotta, gotta pay the rent gig. Right. And then you have this moment where you have, you, I, listen, I love when people, it's funny, I, I had a lot of the same experience. I just did so many jobs. I grew up in a family where I wasn't able to uh, like take a summer off. If I was like, oh, it's you know my sophomore year of high school, like I think I'll just go to the beach every day. My parents would be like, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Like, so I kind of took every every job and then, and then worked all the way through college. Um, and... and I always credit it with giving me perspective that I wouldn't otherwise have and it made me a better writer and a better sort of um, someone, at least someone who can, uh, I guess, identify with, you know, what other people are going through because I did a lot of the same gigs. Um, you got to a point where you had succeeded enough without a, uh, a high school diploma that, um, you had an interesting uh, interaction with your daughter, which I find fascinating. And I can't wait for people to hear this because I think this is absolutely astounding. So I'll, I'll back up very quickly and say that um, uh, I, not many people know this about me. Um, I, in fact, even even my diamond dogs don't know this about me. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a bit of a, 
a sore point for my wife, my wife Dusty. She wants me to she wants me to shout this story from the rooftops, but I've avoided talking about it because it kind of puts me initially in a, in in what I consider to be a bit of a bad light. Um, so I didn't graduate high school. Um, I I went went to I was telling you I went to college um, as a matured student in Canada. I don't know if it's the same way in the states. After you've reached a certain age point, you can get into like the basic community college as a matured student. So I, I did that with very little success still. Still hadn't been diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and so, um, again, you, you just, you just work your, whatever job you can get to, 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 um, pay the rent, like I said. Um, and then, so I've been, like I said, I've been fairly successful in having been employed most of my adult life. Um, but uh, my my daughter was struggling um, both with mental health um, and um, and schooling. We were we were. Um, I I said in the email I sent you, Castleton, that um, quite literally we we're just trying to keep my daughter alive, um, and uh, she was she was having some very serious issues. So schooling took a major back back burner kind of the same way schooling in my life with my parents took a back burn it was just like let's let's, let's just get oh, yeah. them through this yeah um and so um the but the one day uh, my daughter said to me um hey you didn't graduate high school and you're doing okay so why don't i why do i have to go to high school and so and, and i i get a bit emo- emotional when i talk about this but uh, so the very next day i, I signed up for school <laughs> Um, and Hell yes. I, uh, I love it. I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, um, I, I, uh, and it was important to me to not get a GED that I, I, I wanted to graduate mm-hmm. and I wanted mm-hmm. to do the hard things. And the, the, uh, part of my goal was to show, show my daughter that it can be done and it's a lot of hard work. And, and also to show her that like, if you don't do it now, you're going to have to do it later. And I, I got up you know, every day before work, two hours extra to do some homework. And then I would get home at seven 30 at night and work for two hours. That's on my schoolwork when I got home. Um, and, uh, um, I got it done and I, and I, I graduated. Um, and so, so it, it, again, I'm conflicted because I'm really, really proud of that, but I've spent my entire life trying to convince people that I'm smart. And so for me to be able to say, hey, like puff my chest out and say, I just graduated high school and I'm proud of what I did. It also makes me have to say, but I didn't do it until now. Right. Right. No, I'm not agreeing to the point. I'm agreeing to the, the feeling the, yeah, that, the, that the, I, I hear the, what you're sentence. saying and the experience yes. that you're having. I, 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 I love it so I'm going to get so emotional. I love it so much. I'm so it's such an honor uh, to, to, to have you say this on our show to take the plunge. We love Dusty and we're so we are 100 percent with Dusty that like this needs to be shouted. I I understand. So we, we so fundamentally we get in your brain where there's some sort of stigma around it, but it is just plain awesome from from an outsider's perspective. It is amazing. I, I would add to it. Thank you. I think it takes a ton of courage, first of all. And I, and I, and I love the way you just told it, because in addition to the courage that it, it demanded, it's something that I, I say about being a father, my experience of being a father, which is there is quite literally nothing I would not do for my children. Like there's just 
quite literally nothing. And I've shared on the podcast before that I had a dog phobia. Like the sound of a dog approaching could make my heart go into the like fat burn zone, like phobia. And because it is recently for a bunch of other reasons, I had reason to really think about this, seeing my kids with their cousin's little dog and how much they were enjoying it and thinking, I'm going to infect them with my crap from my upbringing if I was the thing with no professional assistance, which I might have gotten some professional assistance if I look back, but with no professional assistance, I went, I said, I will conquer this. And now I'm like literally the person, like I am the dog advocate now, like yelling at animal care and control about what they need to do to make the place safer for the little dogs. Um, So anyway, I say all that to say that it would be an impressive story to me if you just woke up one morning and said, that's a box that's not checked for me that I want to check. But the fact that it was a direct response to, I want to make sure you see the world a certain way. And I'm going to do the two hours before work. If that's what it takes for you to see it that way. That's, you know, that's a picture of father that lines up with what we're seeing on Ted Lasso when when he's got to go home, regardless of what reasons there might be to stay. Like, so anyway, as a fellow father, I would add that to the what's so great about the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you and you know what doesn't work with ADHD? Big grandiose plans like going back to school. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It's exciting well, for the first week, but you did it. Right, like you exactly. did. It. And I think I've mentioned on the show before. I dropped out, dropped, flunked, stopped going to class. Didn't show up for a full semester when I was twenty one. Um, way back in the day. And then he had to like figure out how, how to come back from that deficit because the colleges around me were like, oh, you don't get to go to us. Like you fucked up that one time. So yeah, so I did a few years of like taking part-time classes at community college and finally went back and finished my degree in an entirely different subject. That's fine. Um, and so I know what you, that, that feeling about like, you spent so many years being like, no, I, I like, believe me, I, I know what I'm doing here. I, it's just school didn't work out before. I know I'm. I know what I'm talking about. You don't want to make a big deal about it. Like when I uh, finished my graduate program, which if you told me that when I was 22 and like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? That eventually you would be able to figure out your shit enough to get a graduate degree. I probably disregard you because I was drunk at the time, I would be willing to guess. Uh, just yeah, honestly, if I'm talking to you someplace, I'm probably having a drink. Um, so, but, but yes, like I didn't want to make a big deal about it, but also like I wanted to acknowledge it to an extent. Um, one of my therapist friends says that when she is working with a patient who has sort of similar regrets about the amount of time that it's taken is, well, you're here now. So like, it doesn't matter. Maybe you could have done things differently, but you're here now. And that's the thing to focus on. So I don't know. I don't have the dad aspect, but when you get there, you're there now. That's all that matters. Yeah. I'll piggybacking there too, though, I think that's a part of being present too, right? I mean, it's the, that's like, yeah, well, you're here now. Like, <laughs> if I could have done things differently, if I could have not done things differently, we are here now. And what are we going to do? And your decision was, I'm going to yes. do the thing. Yes. And, and is there a more Ted Lasso decision 
more than I'm going to model good behavior. I'm going to yeah. model. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Good point. It's not I, like do as I say, not as I do. It's like, right. well, shit. Here I, I guess go. I got to do what <laughs> I want you to do. Yeah. yeah, I have to. Yeah, oh, nobody. Fuck yeah, you guys! I'm. I, I want to be. I want to come on this call all the time. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel good. <laughs> love it. Love it. You yes. should. Love it. God damn it! You should. You should. It's a thing of beauty, and Dusty's 100 percent right. And man, I, I, I am so. I was so moved by by reading about it in your email. I'm so moved by talking about it right now. It's everything that we admire. I mean, out of the three of us who, who host this show, Boss is the only one who, quote unquote, flunked out. And uh, and Coach went to Yale, and she's still the smartest one of all of us. So, And it we, ain't, we, and it ain't close. It is even, <laughs> remotely close. So, yeah, we, we don't subscribe to the, to the, to the standards uh, of, of education that everyone else does um, in general. But, like, I just love that. I love your strength and your resilience. Um, I love that um, you're you're such a you're a sweetheart, man. Because the fact that you think this is something even remotely connected to shame in any way at this point in your life, instead of because I'm enough of a, a of a, a sort of arrogant prick that I would be like, guess what I did? Like I, you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I just I, I only see the good thing Who wants here. Wants to go to prom, it. motherfucker. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's such a beautiful thing, and I love that that your your daughter is involved in it, and I love that um your you know your wife is supporting. It's so funny. I was talking about uh, divorce and saying how after my first uh, marriage, you know, some people say, "Oh, do you know exactly what you want?" And I remember thinking, like, I, I don't know, but I, I remember what I didn't want. And you're like, okay, at least I know what I don't want. Um and when I hear you talk about Dusty and read about it uh, in your emails, um, you know, it reminds me of Juliana. It reminds me of like, okay, this is a, it's a really good partnership and, and somebody that really fundamentally gets you as a person. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. We, I, I, I am, am fortunate in a sense that I didn't have your uh, divorce um, store nightmares. I, I did go through divorce myself, um, but uh, came out, um, the other end um, with Dusty and, and uh, she's been an amazing partner and amazing stepmom. Um, and I, I certainly couldn't have gone back to school without her. Absolutely not. Interestingly, I've not been through a divorce, but Daphne does refer to herself as my first wife, which I do find concerning. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Does, no, is, right. I, I think, who is this? No, totally she is legit terrifying. Yeah, like no, terrifying I, that make, yeah. Oh, I love that you guys are terrified because I could feel my heart melting. I'm like, oh, Daphne, no. she's so good. I think, I think that, um, who is it? Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. I think that she refers to herself as, he refers to him as my current husband. And I'm like, that's yes, fantastic. that's, that a, so I funny. love when people do that. That is Great so job, funny. guys. <laughs> what, now, what what was the line in uh, in in uh, the the pilot uh, where it was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is Leslie uh, the, Higgins. Uh, He's our current, current director. Yeah, current director of football operations. <laughs> current one. But like, don't just don't get too comfortable, regardless of what it is. Like you gotta it. we like gotta it. keep you on your toes. Otherwise, it's, you sons of bitches will lay down and do nothing all day. That is true. That is true. Given the, that given is the true. option, that yeah. No, I'm, I'm I mean, really I would, good I would at doing too. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. My, sometimes told, right. Uh, when the boyfriend asks what I want to do this weekend, I say I was planning to couch for a little bit. And that's just not moving from the couch. 
that's what I'm planning. Couch as a verb. Wow. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is really that's what was what was the t shirt we had beach. for you? Shades like, of beach, boss. I didn't it was something about your lack of motivation. I wish I could think of it right now, but Oh, I got a lot couch, of quitting me. Oh, I got a lot. I got I got so much quitting me, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't believe it. Wouldn't that's believe right. That's, that's right. That's that's a shout out for so much. I can't Buttercup. believe I flunked out of college. I mean, do you <laughs> hear these things? How could I have done that? <laughs> but couch is a verb. That is I that's, think, that's premium grade. I think I stole that from uh uh Jim Gaffigan on My Boys, which was a pretty decent sitcom for the mid-aughts. Uh, mostly mm-hmm, because it was set mm-hmm. in Chicago, but he said that I like your words that are verbs. I think I'm going to couch here before I sandwich in a bit, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to do that." That's, That's me now. Great, I love it. I love <laughs> he's, it. He's a beaut. He is a riot. Um, now, uh, Jeff, a couple questions. Um, now that we've gotten um, all the really boring stuff out of the way, like all of your terrible uh, experiences in life and and all the triumphs you've had. Um, let's get to the real nitty gritty, which is um, uh, did you buy the Nate subplot uh, and the arc of Nate's redemption? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. We're, get, we're getting into it now. Here we go. Awesome. Here we go. Because, here, because here's the thing. I don't understand the difference between Nate's redemption arc and Jamie's redemption arc. I feel like I feel like they both we they showed us them doing the same amount of work, but but Jamie Jamie for some reason gets a pass, and Nate for some reason we want to see more from. Oh wow, interesting! I love I so, love all three of us tilted our heads like German shepherds, like watching TV for the first time. Oh uh, no, that was that's I love I. I'm actually wanting to go down this road. <laughs> Love this. Because until you just said it, I would not have equated those two at all. And why do I feel? I guess I watched Jamie. Well, Jamie's white. To be with, Jamie's well, white. So, well, at, I mean, <clears throat> obviously so, it's a pass. Right there. Right there. <laughs> I mean, we're, 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 what we're, are we we're talking 90% about? percent of the way home. Right there. <laughs> 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 no, no, but really, it's like, I guess I, you know, when I watched him like back Sam be the one to say like, all right, if you're not wearing, you know, well, I'm not wearing. I guess I, I feel like I saw more of those beats. But in a way, you're you're right that when he walks out on that pitch, having been quote welcome back to the team, he hadn't done anything more than ask that that you know what I mean that the team would be aware of or that would be their experience. I, I'm not sure I have a response so much as like that is really interesting. Um, yeah. Oh no no! I I I have some. I can duke it out with Jeff on this one. I I, was, I think they're go, polar opposite. But 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 I I understand the how conceptually we say they both have these redemption arcs, right? But I, I it started with flame throwing your way out of town with Nate. That that was the first thing. It, like so, um, on this as an example, this is a very public uh, forum. There's thousands of people all around the world that are going to hear about uh, the fact that uh, you did not uh, graduate from high school until seven minutes ago. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> so, um, so, but out of nothing but but c- courtesy and care, you and I have talked about this and discussed it, and and you know, 
said well, what, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. I, I didn't come out here and just just you know throw throw uh, oil on you and light you on fire. It's not it's not that. And what 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 Nate did by outing Ted's personal um, malady when he when he uh, for for no other reason than um, to you know. Better himself, or embiggen himself, or try to try to raise his stock. He leaked that Ted had um, panic attacks. That that felt very, very. Uh, that felt like an actual betrayal. Whereas Jamie being shipped out of town by Rebecca, um, he had no he had no say, and he was on loan. There's nothing he could do. Now, yes, he did score the winning goal to to relegate his former team. Um, but I ask you, Jeff, who among us? <laughs> given that option wouldn't have that wouldn't, I, I, listen i was i'm trying to let you do the joke so bad but that was what he was supposed to do that meant that he had been listening to ted and that he was learning something about ted's method yeah. and that he knew to make the extra pass in order to build the team itself not just himself i cannot even let this joke pretend to pass without <laughs> getting enraged by it he, that, he did the right thing that was the first time he did the right thing. That was the the first thing that said Jamie could be turned around. And what I will say is um, I feel like there were significantly more touches with Jamie. And I don't just yes. mean that in my fanfic kind of way. I mean that like <laughs> it came back time after time where he made yeah. up to Sam and up to Nate mm-hmm. and up to mm-hmm. Colin and up to Keely and like showed mm-hmm. that he was trying to become a better person. Um, I think that they just didn't have as much time or as many details with Nate. And that's why it felt as a show a little less satisfying. Right. Um, Okay. 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 So what I've also been like looking into (laughs) and trying to incorporate is an idea of radical acceptance, not just in the way that I like it, which is this is what it is. Like outside of judgment or morality or anything else, this is. So how do we deal with this as is? So if this is what Nate did, how do we deal with what Nate did without trying to get personally too upset about what Nate did? So can we offer him a way back, even if we aren't sure if the show showed us his specific steps back? Like, can we say he wanted redemption, ergo we owe it to him? to at least extend that. I I think that that opens like sort of a different perspective to the show for me, one that I'm going to need to think about for a while because that only came up last week. But I I definitely think wanting Nate to have redemption is in more in line with the Ted Lasso way than me saying like, well, those bitches didn't close up this loophole in this one. So he's out. Can't can't have him back. Right. 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 No. and, And yeah. Now, Jeff, did you have a sense? Um, thank you for woman explaining that, boss. Um, did you? This, did is, you have this a, is what I am here for. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, did you have a? Uh, did you have a sense? Um, I know our big our big thing was that it was just misaligned. Like let's say let's say let's say a great case can be made for the fact that they both had these redemption arcs. Our, my my I, the thing that we always harp on, as you know, is. Um, the beats didn't line up actually with the trajectory back with the road back with Nate, the same way as, as uniformly as they did with Jamie from, from our analysis. But um, in the end, uh, by the way, Jeff, I want to, I don't want to let him off the hook here because he said something so funny on our uh, buttercup uh, community site. Um, 
when we finished the second to the, the penultimate episode, as it were, uh, we were about to start the, the final episode. And Jeff wrote, like, uh, I, I wonder what the over under is uh, on how many episodes it's going to take these guys to finish the final episode. Yes! And he's like, whatever it is, I'm, sma- I'm smashing the over. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I laughed so I was like, you're yes. not wrong. Yeah. And I do. We smash the over. Somebody listens right. to the show. Clearly, for anybody who grew up on the Price Is Right, this was the one dollar as loudly as it could. Seriously, yeah, that's exactly right. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I want the over. Like, I, I, I'm praying for the over. Love it. Now, were you were you sat as as we're kind of coming into the end here of of uh, Ted Lasso, and you know we're on this final uh, episode? Um, were you satisfied at the end? Um, uh, by the by, the whole Nate thing um, with the trajectory. Did, were, I was. You were I, okay I, with the Jade stuff as well, and all that. You were just you were cool with it. Yeah, like and it's like you guys have said on several occasions. Like this should have been a, a four season arc um and so there there uh, there were things that were were squished in and there were there were things that um i would have liked to see more of having said that there are things that i think played out very well in a three season arc that that a four season might have muddied that a bit um so but yeah i I think i think nate definitely would have um benefited from a fourth season for sure um but but no uh, as it was, I am quite pleased with the way they ended it, for sure. Piggybacking there, I would say that the scene of him staring at the wall, having Ted come in, having them both look at a believe sign that was no longer there. I mean, I've probably been closest to an apologist at <laughs> moments when apologies might be needed for this show. I, that moment, in the same way that Ted just sort of like hugged Nate and said, oh, buddy, and it was sort of like, everything that you mean by that, sorry, I accept, and we're good, I kind of felt that way with the show at that point. Like, I was like, meh, you know, it was a rocky road back, but you know what? Nate's back. He's sorry. He said he's sorry. Ted gave him a hug. I'm set. That was sort of my Yeah, yeah. Experience Three of us of on this call are, are fine with that. Um, <laughs> who, who else is here? And one troublemaker who uh, uh, who refuses. Now, you mentioned, Jeff, that you have a buddy, uh, your buddy Mike, I think you mentioned he's the quote-unquote Ted Lasso of your group. So who does that make you? Who do you relate to most? And what sort of how, who do you identify on the show? Maybe you do also identify with Ted, but is there someone who's your 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 guy or a girl on the show? <sighs> That's a. Uh, I think I would like to be Ted, um, but I I think I fall closer to Higgins than than to Ted. No, um, and that dude. might be why the Christmas episode is one of my favorite episodes. Oh wow! Let's wow. Well, that's all the time we have today, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said that almost specifically as I was saying it. As I was saying it, I was looking at Boss to see what her face was going to be. Jesus Christ! This is this is why monarchy didn't make a face. But. This is why monarchy doesn't work. You know, it really. This is what happens. Yeah, yeah. You can make somebody a king, uh, and then next thing you know, yeah, I will fight you all day. So it's, it's so one of my favorite episodes. It, the, my favorite line came from that episode. Higgins at the dinner table said the toast to the friends we were born with and to the friends we made along the way. 
And, uh, and if I can get sappy again, I feel like this is, this is the group that we have here. Um, it's the friends we made along the way. Um, in fact, I, I use that toast. Uh, we had a, f- a family vacation in Barbados, um, last year. And I said that toast at the table and, and people welled up Aww. and stuff. And I sat, I sat down and whispered, whispered to my wife, that's from Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What? I but that I, I feel like that episode was a super important episode to um for Higgins arc. Yeah. Um it it it, it made oh, yeah, Higgins yeah. a character. For, for sure. And it, and it, and I believe that it made the 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 supporting cast of the team into a part of the team. Um and and for like the the you know the Santa Claus at the end of it and and all and all that stuff I get why that's problematic but the 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 team meal at higgins's house was so awesome i i I loved every second of it yeah it was by far the strongest plot line in my opinion and also unfortunately i think the only time that i like laughed out loud that episode was when zoro comes in and says i walked into your neighbor's house and just shoves (laughs) it It's, even when I had to do the rewatch, I was like, well, I'm going to get that line. That'll be fine. That'll be good. Well, it, it's, it, yes. First of all, he's, he was a fascinating, he has been a fascinating character. I think some, if we were to go back and it, it's sort of, I, did he, did the character grow because they realized, oh, we've got an actor who can give us more than we were planning on? Or was that always the plan? I don't know. But I feel like, that character almost felt like a throwaway when we first met him and along the way gave us some pretty critical beats. Um, what, what I love about the, the, the scene you, you, you referenced though, uh, KOB is I think for me, and you've heard it, I think Higgins is the moral guiding voice. It may very well be the lasso way, but I feel like Higgins has always been spot on with where we need to be, how we should, quote, be looking at these things. And I thought that a dinner, because a dinner at Ted's house, Ted's the head coach. So unless you got a reason, right, exactly, you better yeah. show up, right? But Higgins is just like, hey, my door is open. And for enough people to show up that we've got to figure out how we're going to extend the table and that we're happy to extend the table, I felt was so in the spirit of the show that, yes, a- after that, our feeling about what the team was, I thought did shift. Um, and the fact that they said, the fact that they said um, that we've never had this many people yes, come. Yes. Show that there has been a shift in the team. That's right. And, and, and now we're going in the, in the direction we need to go in a new direction. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched most of that episode cringing, knowing that I was going to have to uh, be doing all kinds of verbal and logical jujitsu when we got to recording. <laughs> when we got to recording. I was like, yes. oh, they're really going to hate this. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's August. Yeah, he was aware of it. It is August. But, you yeah, know, that part, that part <laughs> oh, wow. the Higgins part, so that's interesting. Jeff, did you have any um, siblings growing up? I do. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. And you guys spend holidays together? Or are you still close or anything like that? We tr- yeah, we try. It's definitely my, 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 
my brother would be my best friend. Um, my sister lives in Pennsylvania. Um, so when she can get up, um, or when we can get down there, um, we, we'd certainly try to for sure. Yeah. We're very close. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So you like the hosting dynamic and like the family, everybody coming together. It's, I wish I had, I should have asked you this two hours ago because, um, I did not know when, when someone said, you know, uh, I did, I do this thing where if I, if I don't have, um, if I'm at an awkward party or something like that, and I don't really have anything to ask someone, I will say like, All right, you shouldn't be going to awkward parties. Awkward that parties. That might be your where, you know, like you're problem. At, you're, at, you're at an event, uh, yeah. and uh, and and it just it's everything. You're like, oh god, I'm stuck talking to someone. or whatever. I just go, what are your five five favorite characters? And if you start with like Darth Vader, I'm like, okay, like okay, so we're you know what I mean, or something. You're like whatever. And when you say Higgins. You know, especially oh, I I aspire to be Ted Lasso, which is which is in and of itself um, fascinating. Um, but then you go, uh, yeah, no, I really Higgins, and then and then you cite the Christmas episode where it's all you know this this sort of re um, emphasis on the team. The the I like I like that you're calling out. Okay, like this is the most we've had because in years past it, we didn't have this vibe or we didn't have this sort of camaraderie or somehow something has changed in the cycle to make this like something that everybody wants to be a part of. And there is that beautiful sort of potluck moment where guys show up bringing things. And I actually love um, Juliana's got a family, uh, a big Italian family in Rochester, New York, where whenever we go in there, it was the first time I ever met a whole huge Italian family and the be- and the best people in the world with no strings attached. So like the Italian uh, aunts are all like, can we get you something to eat? Or drink? And you're like, you know, if you, if, you're, if you're like me, you're like, no, I want to go do the, I'll get you something. To, but that's not, it's just not how it is. And they really want to feed you and they really want to get you something. To, and it, they're the nicest people that's so happy and, um, those type of it's a there's like eighty or ninety people in a time like a regular ranch house and all they do is bring out tables and every you know little kids are on little tables and people are standing at the counter and eat like whatever it's like you can smash humanity in there as much as you can and everybody's cool with it they just want to be together because there's no troublemakers everyone's getting along and those sorts of dynamics are um, they're beautiful and it seems like that's that's something that you sort of uh, that really resonated with you, the the, the t- togetherness of of the team in that moment. Yeah, and like, and when when you said, um, I don't necessarily aspire to be Ted. I've always kind of um, described myself as the best assistant captain there is. I'm, I might not be the leader of the team, but I am going to help carry out the leader's vision as best as I absolutely possibly can. That's uh, God love you. Yeah, there are like two. There are like two of you on the planet, for what it's worth. Right, just, you know. he, he's trying to be uh, the best stepdad he could be. That's that's the that's Dan. That, so producer Dan, producer Dan. I, said I, that. I don't know if, I, I don't lost. know if you remember me. Yeah, I don't know if you remember if if you, if anyone remembers me saying this, but like we always talk about producer Seth and how terrible he is. Producer Dan is uh, is the best person in the world. And but think when, of when the I moments. Asked, is yeah. how it's a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and when I when I would ask him, oh, do you identify with the protagonist in the story? I would like kind of like, well, we all default uh, and we all uh, you know relate to the to the to the main character. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. I relate to the trying hard stepdad. The second. So if you have the you know, <laughs> if you have the 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 jerky 
ex-husband, he's the guy that like opens the door and is like, may I help you? Like, like just trying to be a boundary. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh my God, that's what he relates to. And so it's, it's fascinating that you have this thing where you're like, okay, I don't need to be, have the spotlight on me, but I'm happy to sort of work to, uh, you, you know, helps another person's vision. And that is unbelievably generous of spirit just right out of the gate. And there's a, there's a self-awareness around it that I, there's a video and you may have seen it before. I know it's made some, uh, going around some, but basically is a guy at a music festival dancing on a hill and then one or two people join in and then whatever. And then by the end of the video, it's just like, it's really about how many people are not dancing at that point because everyone has joined this one. And I use this quite lovingly lunatic who starts out just kind of gyrating on a hill. Like it's not the most impressive dancing you've ever seen, but he's willing to step out and be that. And one of the one time that I saw this video, what was stressed was the importance of the first follower. And there've been times in my life where I've been the guy dancing on the hill saying, it'll be fun. Come on, y'all. But I don't know that I'd appreciated the times I'd been second or that someone else chose to be my second, to be that first follower who says, no, 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 this person isn't just doing a crazy thing. I Like I'm in on it too. And, and what was pointed out was how absolutely critical that role is. So whether it's beard knowing you need the Wi-Fi password and the wet wipes, or, you know, whatever it is, but that who's that person who's going to just give us enough uh, permission to, to, to join in because it's not just one person howling at the moon. And it's, it's, yeah. it's huge. It's humongous. It's, that's well said, Coach. But this is also semantics because we have a negative um, connotation around the term follower. So let's just say, what if we say we Correct. reframe it as like, you know, I, I'm a person that I will say if I'm in charge tomorrow, everything in this whole world turns into a help economy and we right, just right, help right, right. everybody else. And, and how do we even know Jeff? How do we know Jeff? It's because when we said, hey, we're going to be vulnerable and ask for help, he was like, I, he was, he had to stop the podcast to immediately help us. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, like that is, that is a core value uh, with you, Jeff. And uh, I mean, it's stunning. uh, Has this always been part of your ethos or is this something you developed in adulthood or where does this come from? Uh, It just happened just now. Like 14 yeah, minutes ago, I graduated from high school yeah. and then it just yeah. dawned on me to be helpful. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate yeah, no, it. I, uh, I, I feel like I need to uh, pay somebody for the therapy you guys have given me today. Uh, <laughs> it makes me feel great. Yeah, no, I, um, I think, and this is one of the things that the kids are doing differently these days, but in school, they don't say follower. They say joiner. So you're I not, think that's a great, yeah. You're yeah. becoming part of something, not just following someone. Following someone else, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a, that's a good. It's funny because I don't add that to follower, but I. But you're right that that's we specifically tell kids don't be a follower. So yeah, I get yeah. where you want to make that. If distinction. You're, you're a leader. Uh, or, what do they say? Life is like a sled dog, or what? Like, like a if you're if you're not the lead dog, the the view never, never changes. changes Remember, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we we yeah we di- we sort of um, discourage people from quote unquote following, but I like the concept of joining, especially the way I was raised uh, was to be Machiavellian and cutthroat and and so when I learned 
at, uh, at like about the same time that Jeff, uh, uh, <laughs> about 20 minutes ago when I learned to be a joiner, it really, really, it's like, it's, uh, it's liberating because you know, it's, it, it's, first of all, it feels great to, to believe in other people and support their vision and help them. Um, and, and sort of, uh, that approbation in this world where we can be very, very disenfranchised and disjointed and, um, weirdly isolated, no matter how we're all inter- interconnected, somehow, the net result of the social media phenomenon is that we, we can sometimes be very fractured um, to have people truly believe in you and support you. It's a whole, it's a whole different thing. And it really, um, the weight of that is, is kind of awe inspiring. So um, I, I think it's amazing, Jeff. And, and is there someone in your life? Is it one of the diamond dogs that you, uh, do you coach with any of those guys or? No, I actually, I, I, I met Mike. I was coaching his kid. That That's how I, that's how I met Mike. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's funny that I've, I've been a head coach a lot of my adult life because that, that is kind of a role that I, other than in coaching that I'm, I'm, I, I like to be second. Um, uh, but for some reason in coaching and hockey, I, I, I prefer to be the voice, um, it, it's interesting that that's the way you, you connected with Mike. I just caught the name from you saying it because one of the things that has been um, that I found affirming. And as soon as you said that, I was like, of course, is how you, how you show up as a youth coach. I think you get a lot of feedback if you just pay attention to the parents, not necessarily what they say to you. But how are you kind of like regarded by, you know what I mean? Like I've had parents right, right. You know, reach out to me years later and be like, hey, so-and-so is having a rough time. Maybe I could like, you know, have them call you and talk. You know, what I mean? that says a lot compared to like, mm, thanks for everything, coaches. You're, uh, you know, big five gift card. Hope to never see you again. You know, uh, <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. No, good. That's that's really cool. That that's how you two came together. You know, also, I want to shine a light on the fact that hockey coaching is different than other, than other coaching. And so, for for example, uh, I was watching the U.S. Open, and it's funny. You watch the, the coaches don't sit where the players sit on the court. This is tennis I'm talking about now. The coaches are up in the coach's box, right? And there are sports where you go, okay, like, I'm going to coach you during coaching time. And then when you're – when it's time for a match, that's it. You got to let them run. Now – the thing you'll see in uh, in American football, uh, NFL football, you'll see coaches um, screaming from the sidelines, calling timeouts, yelling at the ref. Oh, this guy's terrible at clock management, right? There's such an int- integral part of the game that you can't divorce yourself from it. Hockey coaches, you do not see in the same way. Like it's almost comical, and it's and it's funny because it's Canadian. Um, because you go, these guys just stand sometimes they'll have their hands in their pockets. They stand on the bench. They whisper like which line goes out. You know, they, they make tiny little adjustments. And it's not like they're not coaching, but it's a, it's and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but I know the coaches that coach me. It, there wasn't a lot of it's more all the procedure, all the process during the week, all your practices, getting things aligned, making sure people are on the same page so that uh, on a game day. You're not flailing around. You kind of have a sense about what you're going to do when you have your power play team, you have your shorthanded team. You know who's doing what. If somebody gets injured, you know who's going in for them. You know how your line. If you're going to shorten your lines up at the end of the game, you know how to do that. Um, is that does that does that sort of gel with your understanding of the game? 
Well, yeah, and it's actually kind of funny. Um, like I said, the uh, I referenced the London Knights uh, previous um, in the OHL. Uh, the head coach of London Knights is Dale Hunter. He played in the NHL. Um, he yeah. he just became the second most winningest coach in OHL history, um, just under a thousand wins. Um, That's unbelievable. I, I spent an entire period watching him one day, and he didn't say a word on the bench. And his his assistant coaches did all the talking and stuff. And this is the best coach ever in the OHL. Um, he's he's had the most success. And so I have kind of tried to take that into my own coaching. And I find that when I'm talking too much on the bench, when I'm yelling too much on the bench, I, I feel like I'm being less effective. And I, and I and I and I should shut up a bit and let let the play happen and let let the let the play be the lesson as opposed to me trying to give the lesson. Wow. Um, and, and and so whenever whenever I'm whenever I find myself talking too much, I I chances are I'm being less effective. Do you have a whiteboard on the bench? I do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you go like sometimes like right at the end of the game or you call a timeout for those uh, people that don't uh watch or play a lot of hockey, you sometimes you'll have to go, okay, hey, we're gonna do this. We got, you know, eight seconds left, or we're gonna drop back to this guy, he's gonna move here. Or or you have to show them, okay, they're they're defending us a different way. So you can use that uh in real time. But um yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different animal than I would say some other some other sports where it, it's it's more at least it's more Overtly active in other places than it is in in right. hockey. Yeah, right. it can be really. There's, a, there's a free flow to hockey that's 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 uh, difficult to coach in real time. Now, um, whereas oh, football, football you call a play or baseball you call a pitch. In hockey, it, it's it's more. It's almost a ba- basketball would be another mm-hmm. uh, sport that's difficult to coach in real time. So I, I'm I'm curious uh, because <clears throat> Ted actually drew this exact parallel and your way of coaching it speaks to me of hey when you you know when you're it's different than american football which is probably the most my reference in terms of actual coaching i've done in my life um but that you just got to prepare them and then send them out on the field and trust them to do what they do it's a lot like parenting of course by then henry had moved on to the robot he had drawn but i'm wondering how much of that you see in terms of your parenting, you've talked about parenting, your parenting, you know, where sometimes parenting could be more challenging. How much do you see that paralleling your style of sort of like, well, I've given you what I've given you. You've watched, you watch me go get my high school diploma. I'm not going to tell you to go to class. I'm just like, I have communicated that I think that's important. How much is that a part of your style? Um, I, I have two of the best kids in the entire world. Um, and, and so, um, I, I, I don't know what I did to make, to, to help that along. Um, uh, but, uh, and I am also lucky that I, that I'm divorced because whenever they are being assholes, I can say they're taking after their mom. I love that. Um, I just love that. Uh, not to their face, not to their face, but, uh, um, boss loves that. Of course. Yes. <laughs> um but I, I i i try and um they're they're now of the age where um they they have all the lessons um i can give um and if if it hasn't sunk in yet it, it's not gonna um i i hope that that most of them have um and i hope that they um 
see the 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 good person I'm trying to be, um, that I try to be, um, and ultimately that's the most important thing is is that they um, they be good people, um, and uh, they're both brilliant, um, just absolutely brilliant. They do get that from their mom actually, um, uh, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I try and be probably, I'm probably a little bit, um, Dusty, Dusty, um, would be the more, um, really on them, really strict, uh, whereas I'm kind of a little bit more laid back and, and mm-hmm. let, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe, maybe that is a, I haven't thought of it that way, but maybe that is, um, from coaching yeah, that, yeah. um, or, or vice versa. Yeah. Or, or she may have something called executive function. So. <laughs> Is that part? <laughs> that's the way I find. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a thing. Yeah. Okay. She's laughing because she remembers exactly. where the calendar is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. She's yeah, aware yeah. of time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, Jeff, uh, I want to thank you for for coming on today. Um, it has been a, a true delight. Um, it's been an honor to to have you here in person. You, what you did for us well, with your vote of confidence out of the gate. Uh, we can never, ever thank you enough. It was, it was so kind and, um, and it meant the world to us. And now that we get to meet you, especially you want to talk courage, just coming on after uh, Jenna is, is daunting to anybody, but um, no doubt. I, I really want to point out that I, I always say we have the best listener community in the world. Um, the people that we've gotten to meet throughout this process, the, the, the intellect and, and the um, just the, the level of thought and consideration and kindness and uh, sophistication. And you just, you just, when you say like, for example, that you're trying to be a good man, um, that really means something to us. We, we, we see that and we can feel it and we can tell. And so in your little corner of the world, if you do that and in coach's corner of the world, if he's doing that, and in my little corner of the world, I'm, I'm sure I'm failing, but I'm still trying to do that. Um, we'll just leave boss out of this. Because- yeah, I was going to jump in. I was like, I know, I know roughly where this plane lands, but I'm waiting to see. I mean, I was wondering who was going to say it. Um, well, we thank you so much. Uh, we, we hope we haven't taken too much of your time. Uh, we're, we're delighted that the, um, uh, that, that, that our community can get to meet you uh, once and for all. It's been a long time coming and we thank you for being, uh, being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to just be so honest. And, and, and uh, it took a lot of bravery to do what you did today and to talk about these things that have been difficult for you. Although we, say they shouldn't be difficult because they're absolutely stunning and amazing and magnificent and you're a true inspiration to us and and we couldn't think of anybody better to have have the moniker of the king of the buttercups because um you know we we, we adore you and and we're, we're always going to be here in your corner so um thank you for taking the time today um and and just for being here for well, us we really appreciate it i i do i do appreciate you and i want to say one more thing before we say the thing um uh you guys changed the way i watch this show um you uh oh, I, i'm on the road i'm a i'm i'm on the roads i'm an all the road salesperson and uh i spend hundreds of miles every day on the road um and i would watch i would be sure to watch the episode so that i had watched it 
in order to be able to listen to your show. Oh. Um, and, and, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it is part of a community and, and, and my wife and my kids, especially like, would you stop talking about Ted Lasso? <laughs> um, but, I get that. I get but it. a lot yeah. of it comes from, from the stuff I've heard on your show. Um, and, um, I'm, I am, it, I, again, it's like the t-shirt It's it, you call me the king of the buttercups, but it's, it, and it, it's just a, a, a silly made up name, but it does mean something to me. Um, and it, it, uh, being part of this community means something to me. And I appreciate the, the, the slack that, 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 that you guys started, um, is unbelievable. And I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the effort that you guys go to, um, to provide, um, this awesome show and this awesome community. Um, and, uh, I, I, I just can't thank you guys enough. And, um, you have been my passenger on many a mile, um, down the road. Wow. And I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. Wow. 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 Aww. Talk about the family we've made along the way, man. That was I know. Awesome. Thank man. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. I'm going to expire from the beauty of this uh, moment. Um, it, it is so wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and, and thank you to all, everyone listening. Um, yeah, please, please consider uh, joining the Buttercups. It, they are a tremendous uh, group of people, uh, and, and we adore each and every one of them. Um, uh, okay, Jeff, we we are now. Here. Can we say the thing? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> we gotta do it, man. We we are here at, at, at the moment. So, um, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Please support your your local libraries and the written word. And until next time, we are Richmond till we die. Good stuff. Good stuff. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.